This episode is sponsored by A Little Hypnosis. Sometimes it can be hard to be confident and enjoy our little life to the fullest. That is where A Little Hypnosis could be helpful. Hypnotherapy can help you freely use your diapers, reinforce little space, and age regression. My friends over at A Little Hypnosis want to help you, so for a limited time, they're giving Newsy Nook listeners $20 off your first session. Just go to alittlehypnosis.com slash newsybaby to get the discount. That's alittlehypnosis.com slash newsybaby for $20 off your first session. Try A Little Hypnosis, a kink-focused therapeutic approach to the mind. Hello, 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 and welcome to Newsy's Nook, a podcast where you can sit and relax while I try not to wet my pamps. I am your host, Newsy Baby. This week in Newsy's Nook was an April Fool's joke about a new diaper, real. Plus, childish games can be fun and playful, but put them on their head and they become fun and thoughtful. Breaking news in Newsy's Nook, on April 1st, Tykeable sent out an email advertising a new diaper called Deluge. It was later to be commonly known to be an April Fool's joke. Then on Reddit, someone asked, was it actually a joke or was it real? Tykeable's replied to the post saying, quote, they will be made. Tykeable's goes on to say, in part, the company wanted to show them off first because they weren't sure of the print. The diaper in the April 1st email could be described as being dark blue with lighter blue, white, and yellow accents. To me, it gives almost an avant-garde rave diaper feel. Someone then asked in the Reddit comments what inspired the design. Tykeables responded saying they wanted a design that wasn't character-based, but more intended for DLs. They said they went for a more club theme. The name followed after they thought Deluge would be a fun name for a popular club. I've confirmed with the owner of Tykeables that these comments are true. John says more information on the Deluge diapers will be coming out soon. This week in Newsy's Nook, I took a class during Capcom called Playing for Mental Health. I got so much out of this class, I thought, why not bring the instructor Nico into Newsy's Nook to talk about their class, and how even the most childish games can have big lessons. Acceptance and commitment therapy uh, is an approach that is based in basically uh, treating six common problem uh, areas that kind of every human being has. Um, recognizing that across populations and across concerns, uh, there are these sort of problem, we could call them problem behaviors that people engage in. Um, and we all do it, but we do it contextually differently. And so all of our experiences are very individual, right? Mm -hmm. Even though we all do these things. Um, and so uh, by kind of helping an individual recognize that whatever you're doing, you're doing because it serves a function, it has a purpose, uh, let's go ahead and let's take those six kind of problem behaviors and let's flip them and actually meet the function you're trying to achieve through those. And then let's also help you enact those all together. And so the problem behaviors um, 
and then their replacements. Like uh, the first one would be uh, acceptance is the replacement for experiential avoidance, which is the problem behavior, right? So the first game that we played was a, a game focused in acceptance and willingness, and that was Father May I. Mm-hmm. And for those that don't know, Father May I is, I would ask you the question of Father May I take two steps forward and you would respond with? Uh, yes, you may, or I could respond with, no, you may not, but you can take two twirls and a hop. So fun. I love it. <laughs> So what's what's the second what's the second one? The second area uh, would be uh, the problem behavior is called cognitive fusion, which is getting stuck in cyclical thought patterns where we think that we can kind of solve our way out, or we are giving a lot of power to a thought, and we feel like if it shows up, it's problematic. So we've got to find a way to shut it out. Um, and that also is something for which there's just no solution. Um, so it becomes very cyclical. So that's cognitive fusion. Uh, and then the, uh, the skill that we teach is called D-fusion. Uh, and that's D-E fusion, not like spelling like diffusing a situation or something. D-fuse, like letting go, becoming unstuck, so to speak. Um, and so we played a game specific to that, um, the game that we played for that was I love you, but I just can't smile. So in looking at that, you know, that's a game where uh, one person is um, the joker, one person is the self, the person who is the joker is trying to make the self laugh by being silly. And so the person who's being the self um, has to try and just continuously let go and accept this weird urge to laugh that this is okay, this is normal, of course I want to laugh, and also I don't have to. I also don't have to laugh. So recognizing that you can just let this go, and if you can get through a whole minute, then you say, I love you, but I just can't smile. And at that point, you can laugh and smile all you want, uh, because you've kind of won, uh, but this teaches letting go of reactivity. Um, the urge to laugh is a very powerful urge. If we can teach somebody to, uh, to recognize that in the presence of a powerful urge, we can remain in control, that's a really cool thing that like you can tell somebody all day that that's a thing that they could do, but until they've lived it, how are they going to know how to access it, right? So right. like we can help them learn it, but in a fun way. Why not learn it in a fun way? I shouldn't have to like piss you off or scare you in therapy to get you to learn this skill. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. We can do, do it in a better way. Yeah. Um, and this is great too for like couples and stuff when they're being reactive with each other. I get them playing these games with each other because like, oh my gosh, like this is a great way that you two can work on just being silly and present with each other and laugh and have a good time and also be building a skill that will help you in the rough times. Yeah. Um, um, so the third one is... Uh, the problem behavior is spending time in the past or the future, right? We we spend a lot of time uh, in regret, wishing that we could change things. Uh, we also spend a lot of time um, worried about things that have happened, 
that might happen again or maybe we did something and we're, we're still waiting for the consequence of that and so we're going into the future now we're taking the past the more recent past taking it into the future and now we're we're acting like wizards right all of a sudden we're trying to predict mm -hmm. it could go this way it could go this way it could go this way again this is very cyclical because there's a million ways things can go you're going to end up fused right so if you go into the future you're going to be fused uh, so you need to be present so present moment awareness and anchoring into the present while accepting the present might be uncomfortable is a skill so remaining present because if you can't accept that the present is a little uncomfortable you're gonna end up fused <laughs> so right, right. we have to we have to combine these skills um, and so we learned a game uh, uh, specific to that as well. And that was Mirror, Mirror. That and one was so, when I mirrored my partner, right? Yes. Yes. So what did you think of that one? I thought it was fun. I thought, yeah, I thought it, it was it was fun because like you really had to be present, right? Like, and, and I think that was like the right remaining fused and all that. And you really had to remain present. And what was fun was like, because it was all playful games, you didn't have to be so serious. And since everyone was literally wearing Little's clothes, you already like threw out seriousness, seriousness out the door, which I think that's, to me, that's like the fun connection between like age play and what your class was, is right? Like as soon as you walked into the space, we were all in little clothes. So like the seriousness was gone. The rest was just learning. Absolutely, absolutely. Um... I love I love Mirror Mirror. Um, one of the things that I really like about it is um, is the way that uh, you never know what your partner is going to do. So there's also this like just kind of I don't know uh, excitement that kind of keeps you in the moment. Um, what I also love about it is that because we have that excitement, because we're valuing this, because we are present, we're not fighting any other thoughts or feelings. Mm -hmm. To be present we don't have to shut them out now we're living the fact that the present moment can be a place where we don't have to fight other thoughts or feelings if we're doing something we value in the present because the other thoughts and feelings they, they can exist but they're not at the forefront and another thing that i noticed during that is you know there was some like very sh and i was feeling a little shy too right i was surrounded by people i did not know at all but because you were mimicking someone next to you you felt seen and it was just you and the other person. So like a little byproduct of this game that I kind of enjoyed was it's just me and it's just me and you, right? It's just me and you playing this game. I feel seen, I feel validated and I'm having fun. So that was like a fun little addition that I enjoyed of that game. Rock on. All right. Yeah. What's the fourth one? Uh, the fourth problem behavior is self as content. Uh, and uh, self as content is when we start thinking that we are our thoughts, that thoughts are like choices, that we are our feelings, that feelings are a reflection or a choice, or that thoughts are a, a reflection and a choice. But the reality is, um, and I didn't know this until you know I started working in, in mental health and, and doing a lot of research and, and doing a lot of clinical practice, but like everybody has thoughts that are dark and everybody has some, some pretty crazy thoughts at times. Um, it is normal 
to have wanted to strangle somebody. It is normal to have wanted to punch a kid, uh, uh, bio kid or otherwise. It mm -hmm. is normal to, to have had thoughts of cheating on a partner. It is normal to have had thoughts that would shame the crap out of you if you acted on them. Mm -hmm. But you're not acting on this. This is a thought, right? Like it doesn't have to define you in any way, shape or form. Our brains are supercomputers and these supercomputers are like, they're going crazy, right? They're mm -hmm. moving so fast. And that's, that's because they evolved from this, this like fight or flight fawn uh, freeze kind of response that was supposed to keep us safe from all of these giant predators and, and also keep us safe from the elements. And now we don't have those things. So our mind is just like constantly trying to find all of these other things that could go wrong, things that could be bad. And one of the craziest things that it does is it turns it on itself. It has a thought and then it starts shaming itself for that thought there must be something wrong with me because I have that thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to be a horrible person. I'm going to do bad things. This is a reflection of me. Oh, wow. Why do I keep having these thoughts? I'll tell you why you keep having these thoughts because you believe that this thought is a reflection of you. So you're getting fused to this thought. So it's become cyclical. And that is not because it's a reflection of you. It's because you're engaging in a very predictable problem behavior. So question then, so, you know, a lot of people who get into ABDL, they have a thought, right? The thought is, oh, I like diapers. And then immediately, not for everyone, but for some people, the thought is shame, mm -hmm. right? But then again, you know, we we're also talking about like, if I am at Disneyland and a stroller runs over my, over my toe and I'm like, I'm just going to kill that kid, right? That's a different thought. That's a thought of like anger and stuff. So I guess my question is, how do you, if thoughts are like little boats in a stream, how do I make sure that some thoughts I don't act on or some thoughts are okay to have, but don't act on or in some thoughts I may be feeling some type of way. I just need to process them a little bit, right? Because being ABDL isn't shameful, but I'm having that thought. Yeah. Okay. So I really like that you brought this up because it actually bridges over. So I'm going to real quick say that the, the fourth um, uh, uh, desired behavior, kind of the alternative to the problem, self as content, is self mm -hmm. as context. That is recognizing ourselves as the holder of the thoughts. Mm -hmm. And that allows us then to tap into the fifth area, which is values. Mm. Thoughts that are aligned with our values, thoughts that are aligned with who we want to be, thoughts that are also aligned with what is like present and needed, right? And so you got to be present, uh, but things that, uh, that are aligned with the present moment. If you're feeling uh, uh, a lot of anxiety, a question you should be asking yourself is, am I safe? Right? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's, that's why it's there. Right. Am I safe? I am. So is what I'm feeling rooted in the present moment? Okay, no, I'm freaking out about, you know, the way that uh, 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 Tom heard uh, uh, the crinkle of my diapers at work uh, yesterday. I'm really worried about going in on Monday and and could could he maybe know, right? Like that's a total reason for some maybe anxiety. I get that, right? Yeah, so yeah. as soon as like you realize, oh my gosh, like, okay, 
that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm freaking out about something. I have no idea. I don't even know if you really heard it. I heard it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. What do I want to do? Because I have no control between now and then over whether or not he heard it and over whether or not he's going to do something. But I, I don't feel like being miserable between now and then right. I'm going to be anxious. It makes sense. I am. Mm -hmm. But what can I do while I'm anxious? And so we, we move into doing something, but we have to accept that our internal state in the present moment is not very comfortable. And if we can do that, and that takes skill, and that's why you've got to practice because it's not something you can just talk about and be like, yeah, yeah uh, sure. right. But if we can do that, if we can accept our internal state and, and, and I do this through, through different experiential exercises. So, so. I have like, um, uh, one of the things I like to talk about is like, uh, with my clients, um, roller coasters, mm -hmm. you know, if you like roller coasters, like, do you like it when your heart starts beating like real fast and you're, you're like, <laughs> and your breath is changing and like, you're feeling like hot and like the wind is blasting you and you're grateful cause it's cold and like everything is just so intense and it's crazy and you have no control. Mm -hmm. And there's like this little part of you that's also scared because you know, the real, the, the, the thing could run off of its tracks, you know, like you saw final destination three. Oh no. <laughs> uh, so, so <laughs> you know, like all of that and we'll pay money for that experience. And we'll stand in line 40 minutes to get two minutes on that roller coaster. Won't we? Yes. Yeah. So why do we need to be freaked out that those sensations are present this weekend while we're waiting to find out what's happening? Uh, maybe I should just move on. I'll be okay if these sensations are here. I actually pay for them in other contexts. How weird is that? Oh, oh, that's an interesting way to think about that. <laughs> I never thought about it that way. That's crazy. So I guess what you're because I do this a lot too, right? Like I'll, I'll, I always hate that thing where I'll get an email from someone uh, on Friday and it's like, oh, I have to deal with this on Monday. So are, are you saying the healthier way to tackle it is say, I acknowledge that I'm feeling anxious. I'm just going to put this in an envelope and file it away for Monday and just not think about it until Monday. Not quite because that's still, that's like saying that if I think about it, it's going to be bad. And the moment that I give it that way, I'm very likely to start thinking about it. <laughs> and I'm going to end up fused. So I shouldn't think um, about it in bad so, ways. I should just acknowledge what it is. Hold on. I, okay. I got you. I got you. You want to think about it from a standpoint that like it can't hurt you even if it sucks. So mm. you're going to allow it to be free to be there. And if it moves on, it moves on. And if it comes back, it comes back. And it's not the end of the world. So you're just going to go make a fucking sandwich and have a good time. And if you're anxious while you have a sandwich, that's okay. It's kind of like having a sandwich on a roller coaster, right? Like, <laughs> Was this the hot potato game? Was that the game that's connected to this one or am I jumping the, ahead? The hot potato game was the sandwich part. Yes. Was <laughs> the sandwich part. That's what we call committed action, which is the desired behavior in response to the uh, uh, reaction or inaction becoming stuck. Right. And what I like to, I don't know if it was the direct lesson that I should have been learning, but in my head, just think playing the game. One thing that I appreciated with the hot potato game, if you haven't played hot potato, I'll explain it in two seconds. It's basically you pass this hot potato down 
and you have to quickly pass it. But during this class, you had to breathe deeply before you passed it. And the lesson I got, I don't know if I was supposed to get this lesson, was that you never know what's going to happen when you're presented with something. And so you just kind of have to like breathe first and then move on. And that was such a powerful thing for me because I'm so in my head. My therapist always calls it that I write the play in my head before the play actually happens. Mm. Right? I already I already know how the play is going to go even though I've never seen it. And I do that in my daily life all the time. And so this hot potato game for me was kind of like, well, yeah, I know that I know the potato is coming. I don't know when it's coming. I can kind of guess when it's coming, but I'll just sit here and wait until it happens. And I'll just breathe when it comes and then I'll move on. And I thought that was such a powerful game. I appreciate that because I actually created that game, like the, that variant of that variant potato. of the game. So hot potato, I did not create. Okay. <laughs> Papas that's not mine. But uh, what I will say is uh, hot, hot potato with, uh, with this extra piece. And so what I, the instructions specifically, I'm going to go ahead and just kind of read them because I think uh, uh, your your listeners uh, could benefit from the context. Um, so I passed around this supposed hot potato. And just like in any other hot potato game, when you got the potato, you were supposed to pass it, right? That's what you're trying to do because if you uh, if the music cuts off while you're holding the potato, you're out. But I added a twist and the twist was that even though you have the urge to pass the potato, because you know that the longer you hold on to it, the more likely you are to get out, you've got to slow down and take the breath, commit to doing it. You value this. This is what you are doing. And then you will pass it. And if you become out, at least you were out doing what you valued and you can accept that that's what occurred and, and you can feel good about that. Right. So that was kind of how we did this. And so people did get out uh, because they the music stopped while they were taking their breath. And you know what? That's the way it is. Right. Um, but those people won it. Right. Those are the mm-hmm. people who won, really, because anybody who took that breath, whether they got out or not. Committed, made room, let go, anchored down did what they were supposed to do per the instructions, per what they were valuing and committing to in that moment. And they did the thing and they knew that the consequence might get them out, but they also recognized that doing the thing was more important. And that was so cool. Watching people face a little bit of discomfort to get to what was more important and watching them just like very quickly pick this up. Uh, which interestingly, I didn't get to like fully watch. I got to like hear because I was like, it was like, I just could hear people like, you know, being like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Like it just, yeah. uh, all of it. It was pretty fun. It was fun. Nice. Very cool. All right. So just to recap, because on my page, I think I, I failed this test. I only wrote four. So I have acceptance, diffusion, remaining fused, self and control. One, two, three, four. What's five and six? Okay, so acceptance is the first skill. Mm-hmm. Experiential avoidance is its problem opposite. Right. Defusion is the second skill. Fusion is its opposite. Mm-hmm. Present moment is the third skill or anchoring. And its opposite is past or future. Self as context 
is the fourth skill, and it's the opposite of selfish content. Selfish content is the problem behavior. Uh, fifth uh, skill is values, and it counters having a lack of direction. And then the sixth and final skill is committed action, which is the opposite of reaction or inaction. Both reaction and inaction are uh, uh, the result of not accepting and becoming fused. We can become fused very quickly if we do not accept something. Right, right. And overall, I think everyone in the class, at least the class I went to, everyone had such a good time. But what about for you? What, you know, you, you, you do this in practice. So what are people's reactions when they go through this type of therapy? You know, do, are, do they have this reaction of like, this is just a bunch of kid games. What are we doing? I will tell you that like, it, it, it's not just the games. Right. The games are fun assignments. Right. Um, so we do have more discussion um, in, in more adult form to have uh, a, a greater understanding of what's going on with this. Um, I have though written a, a book for uh, queer youth. Um, and so that, uh, and it's an act aligned book. Um, and so that can be a resource that any of my clients could certainly access as well. Oh, very cool. But I bet it, it probably helps that, you know, since we're talking about eight players and stuff, that this form of therapy or like doing these is it just see it just seems like it's a match made in heaven and that you've like tapped <laughs> yeah. into this into this match. I, do you find that like ABDL and this form of therapy is is a match? I mean, in my very limited practice so far, I'll, I'll be honest, I've only worked with four adult babies so far. Mm, okay. uh, this is something that, you know, uh, in terms of having the skills that kind of were required to be what I think this community might need, mm. uh, took me a while to acquire these skills. Um, and to come to the conclusions that I have as well about, uh, uh, you know, what um, what we can do to teach acceptance and commitment because acceptance and commitment therapy can be taught a lot of different ways. Um, under, under my licensure, it should be taught through experiential exercises and, um, and education that has demonstrable generalized result. So um, I, I was like, okay, well, you know, how are we using acceptance and commitment with adults? Okay, that's fun ish it's better than a lot of other therapies mm -hmm. but like really it's kind of like more boring variants of how we're teaching it to kids and the kids are picking up the same skills as the adults and so i started uh, i have a manual and it's for children uh with uh emotional challenges and it's an acceptance and commitment manual um and and i started using it across populations and found that adults loved these exercises. Even my non-adult baby clients love mm -hmm. these exercises. Uh, so like, um, can I do a defusion exercise with you just real quickly? I just want to show you. Yes. Like, yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So we're going to, we're going to play a little game here just for a moment. And it's just going to show you how, how quickly and how weird we can get fused to something. Okay. Okay, I'm ready. All right, I'm, I'm going to give you two options. Do you want to play the language game or purple plane? Which one comes across better with audio? They both will. 
Okay. I promise. Um, um, I would say actually the language game because uh, uh, your listeners will have to deal with a bit of a pause while you try to handle things if we do the purple plane. Let's do that one then. Okay, the language game. All right. So um, I am going to uh, say a couple of phrases. And as I say these phrases, I want you to just share with me what you are experiencing. Okay. Okay. All right. Hickory dickory. Duck. Little Miss Muppet sat on a rock. Uh, three blind mice. All right. Okay. How do you think you did? I think I did pretty good for not going to preschool. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, God. So. Interestingly enough, everybody fills in the blank or attempts to. Um, if the instructions had been to fill in the blank, you would have gotten two out of three because Little Miss Muffet actually sat on a topic. Oh, but... dang it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. Don't worry. I watch people all day when I use this exercise struggle to find the word tough it. And then they're proud of themselves, even though that wasn't the instruction. The instruction was not to fill in the blank. That was you getting fused. Oh. <gasps> Scandalized. <laughs> so in a past context, in a past context, when you've been made to feel uncomfortable or called out because you needed to fill in the blank, you used these words to fill in the blank. And almost every child has filled in these blanks. And so we usually can, can be very sure that people will end up fused in this exercise. So what ends up happening is now you're uncomfortable in the now. Right. I just said something and I said it like like uh, I'm expecting something that's uncomfortable right away. You're under pressure. And right. since you're under pressure, your mind very quickly is going to go. I'm not safe. Let me go to the past. What has saved me in the past? Oh, you know what? Let me fill in the blank. But now you're doing something ineffective because you're reacting. So I wasn't supposed to say anything. You were not supposed to. The instructions were to tell me what you are experiencing. I feel swindled. It's okay. Everybody falls for this one. It... Uh, <laughs> so that's the kind of therapy uh, that's, and I actually, it's funny because like I was doing this one time I did a therapy with somebody where we were doing an exercise called the pen is red. And obviously the pen that I'm holding up is gray. Your audience mm -hmm. cannot see that. Right? right. So I'm holding up a gray pen and I have this, woman and her husband described the pen to me. Okay. And then I told them that what, what they call gray, I call red. Got it. Okay. So the red pen, you would have thought it was the end of the world. She fired me. I got fired that day. Um, <laughs> she was so mad that, oh, no. that she had to point to something that she felt was wrong because it was making her uncomfortable and she couldn't accept that. How do you, so I guess that's like the ultimate question, right? How do you, how do you learn to accept un, I'm going to make up a word, uncomfortability? How do you accept to be uncomfortable? We have to recognize that there was no threat there. They were safe. Like what was, what was going to happen? What's the worst that could happen if she pointed to the pen? What was I going to do? If I was a jerk, maybe laugh at her. Oh, right. Like 
this <laughs> wasn't gonna arrest her. She wasn't gonna lose her life if she pointed to this pen. But my gosh, she had a meltdown over it. So what I do in my, I'll call it my big boy job, I deal with a lot of problems. People come with me to problems all the time. And I'm not going to lie, before going to Capcom, and I don't know if anyone else has experienced this post-Capcom, is I'm getting faced with the same issues, but I feel so much more in control a little bit, a little bit more of... um, okay, you've presented me with this issue. It's not the end of the world. Kind of like what you just said, right? Like, I'm uncomfortable, but I'm not going to die. Right. I'm uncomfortable and I'm okay. Yeah. And I think that's like the greatest thing I think I learned at Capcom through your class was just like, okay, I can have like all these hard problems. But at the end of the day, the the government's not going to be overthrown. <laughs> the world's not going to burst into flames, right? It's just uncomfortable until I fix it. And, and it's normal to be uncomfortable and we're going to be uncomfortable throughout the day, right? If something as silly as that exercise can make everybody uncomfortable enough to mess up, then accept the fact that being uncomfortable is just a normal part of life and that all sorts of things are going to make us upset. And so if we can accept that, then when we are upset, it's not saying don't ever get upset at stuff because again, you can't control what you think or feel. It's saying when you're upset, you can still be your best self while you're upset. And so you don't need to get rid of upset and you can still be safe and okay. And that's why you can be your best self while you're upset. We, we move into action so fast and I like to teach people to slow down. Like one of my favorite things, um, I learned it from Lipscomb um, in, a, in a, uh, just one of her disseminations, uh, not a direct training or anything, um, but uh, uh that diapers could be used as a coping mechanism. So, um, you know, right away, I went back to my, I was in, in sex therapy supervision at the time. So I went to my supervisor. I said, hey, Lipscomb said this. <laughs> um, I think this is kind of neat. I want to I wanna know more about this because this sounds very linked to mindfulness and I do act and mindfulness and all this. And like, if diapers can be something that we can link into this therapy, like what? So, Let's go. So, she, she told me, she said, okay, well, you know, if you want to start serving that population, um, she, she had not worked with that population. So she was like, you need to reach out to researchers and do as much research as you can. You also need to wear diapers for a weekend. And they need to be adult baby diapers, like high-end, nice ones. Don't go get into bends or nothing. Uh-huh. So I did it. And like, you know, we have to have to do what we can. Um, and there's the crinkle sound is cool. The sound is cool. Um, I found, I found a value. I found a value. It's not for me personally, but definitely found a value in it. And I also, I, once I started doing the work, um, that's something I can connect actually. I think a lot of people like that crinkle sound. Um, but, uh, uh, using that as a recommended treatment. So um, a client who is engaging in a lot of self-harm and and working her way up to suicide, that was Mm. her goal. Um, Working with her on on letting go of shame, um, recognizing her strengths, being effective in the present, and then helping her as she tried to be effective in the present, 
I'm also a behavior analyst. My job is to make sure that people can access reinforcement, uh, which means positive outcomes, desired outcomes. So uh, I'm also doing little things to help you know, where I can her be more effective when she's being in the present and helping her access additional outcomes and going out with her into the community and stuff like that. Um, and so, you know, we got her to this point where um, uh, she was doing really well. She was doing really well. And the key component was that she was, when she got home, and I would not be there for this. I was never present for this. But when she got home, she was to put on a diaper immediately before engaging in any self-harm even if she wanted to engage in self-harm mm -hmm. she had to put on a diaper first and if she still wanted to self-harm since this was after a work day she had to pee so if she still wanted to self-harm she needed to urinate that diaper and if she still wanted to self-harm then she had free range go for it girl i can't stop you i'm not there we saw a reduction in her self-harm behaviors through body checks and eventually a reduction in suicidal statements. This was four years ago. She's still with us today. Wow. Um, and she's not in therapy. She hasn't been in therapy for almost four years. It wasn't a very long-term therapy. She was with me about four or five months. And she was not an age player before this. The diaper was merely a tool. Oh, she was already her. an age player. Oh, she, she was, was already, already an age player. That's where a lot of this shame was coming from. Uh, oh. She was also trans. Um, okay. And she was being fetishized and not valued for anything other than certain aspects of her identity. Um, and a lot of that was just very hard for her. So how, did, how, does, how does that work? Because if she was feeling shame from the diaper and you were telling her, put the thing that's causing you shame on, how does, how does that work? She wasn't having shame from the diaper. Um, she was having shame from the way other people were reacting to her and things of that nature. Uh, the diaper was a source of coping. And I was simply asking her to utilize it more effectively. <laughs> so she had to get those thoughts. She had to be able to to sit with those thoughts and recognize that they were not the totality of the situation. So she needed the present moment to have other sensations that were not just the sensations related to being wrapped up in those thoughts. Wow. That's powerful, especially since, you know, I, I'm pretty, a lot of ABDLs have it at a sense spirit experience, what I would call existential shame, right? Shame, not, not, not of them wearing it, but of, other people and other perspectives. I mean, we just recently had a article published about ABDLs and a lot of people commented on that article post. Like I looking at these comments, I feel shame. How do I cope with that? And it sounds like from what you just told me, it might just take sitting, sitting and just enjoying your own self first before thinking about those existential thoughts i guess it's it's self as context versus self as content right i'm the holder of my thoughts and i hold a lot more than just the thoughts that i've been wrapped up in right so what happens is when we have a thought or or a feeling that makes us uncomfortable um it exists in this like vast universe within us right this like microcosm we could call it but like there's there's all these thoughts and all the feelings and everything, all the things are in there. 
And as soon as something comes along that we really don't like, it's just like we see it and then we're like, oh, my gosh, like Mm. it's all we can see. Like we just we zone in on this lens and we're just there with it. And that's all we see. It becomes the totality. We stop appreciating everything else in the present moment that is going right. We stop appreciating the things in our life that are good. Um, You know, I use this therapy across populations, um, uh, uh, working with people who have had um, uh, certain traumas and stuff and and really uh, helping them, you know, recognize that like these sensations in the present moment do not mean that the trauma is going to happen again. Like like re-traumatization oftentimes is, is sparked by some sort of stimulus and then our our internal response to that stimulus being so uncomfortable and then us freaking out because the last time we felt that uncomfortable was when we were this unsafe when that trauma occurred mm. and we bring all of that instantly right up in here and we end up re-traumatized if we can learn to and this takes a lot more time trauma trauma training <laughs> but if we can learn to be more comfortable with the sensations that that are are what we you know might call being triggered so to speak right uh that is really powerful because if we can stay in the present when we're feeling triggered mm-hmm. versus bouncing back into the past and then bringing all of that forward. Uh, we don't bring that extra weight and it sucks, but we can move on. And it's, it's not a, it's not a deal breaker for the whole day. You know what I mean? Right. One thing I do want to touch on was you kind of you 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 brought up that you saw that diapers was was a tool that you could use in 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 your practice what what is it about diapers that you saw that could be used as a tool is it the fact that it's kind of tapping into like talking to my inner child or why is it why why did you find that it was a tool that you found in in your in your studies so uh lipscomb um has disseminated that you know uh diapers could be a coping skill and um uh, in her PhD thesis, uh, described um, a client that she had utilized um, in a very, very similar fashion to what I was describing. Um, and so, recognizing that you know this has this has been done, um, I need to let this person know that this is like still experimental. I only know of one person who's done this, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so right. very, very forthright and upfront with the client. Um, but also, you know, it worked for this guy. Would you be willing to give this a shot? Because I can understand on a scientific level why this makes sense. Like this makes sense to me because this is anchoring, because this has positive relational frames to your past where you've had positive experiences wearing these diapers, right? So now you're bringing some some positive elements in alongside the negative ones. And if you can learn to do that without trying to shut out the negative ones, so that you can recognize that the negative ones are not the totality, right? Then it becomes easier and easier to be our kind of not best selves. That's a stupid kind of phrase. I don't know, but like to be um, our authentic selves um, and to be aligned with our values and to at least do something that like we either enjoy or moves us forward in some way. Um, you know, I always look at uh, uh, actions uh, versus distractions as well. Uh, if you're using video games to try and distract yourself, 
then that thought or that feeling, you're trying to shut it out, right? Mm -hmm. And so you're playing this video game or you're watching Star Trek or you're doing your thing. And every time this thought shows back up, you're getting more and more mad because it's messing up your ability to enjoy the thing. If you can be okay with this, then you're not going to get mad and then it doesn't affect your ability to enjoy the thing. It's just a thought that you had while you were enjoying your thing. So we have to learn to accept and not use things to distract. Um, and that takes a lot of, I think that's probably one of the harder, harder skills to learn. Um, but that's why I like to teach a lot of present moment awareness. And during present moment awareness skills, I like to afterwards ask, like, you know, did you have to shut out any of the bad thoughts or, or feels that you had earlier today in order to get through this exercise? And people are like, oh, no. And I'm like, whoa, isn't that crazy? Like, because now that I brought them up, they're there, aren't they? They never went away. You just weren't focused on them. Right. I do. I think we've touched on this last question, but I'll just ask it again in case there's anything more you can add to it. If someone is struggling with their their ABDL or age play identity, um, is there any is there anything any actions they could take now? Is there any fun games that maybe they could play? Um, is there anything that you could you, you could recommend? Yeah. Um, so I would say uh, if if you go onto Google and and, and look up like um, you know teaching act to kids um, or act gameplay or things like that, there's a lot of different places that teach act in children's settings, mm -hmm. and they are the same freaking skills and exercises that adults are getting when they are going to a traditional therapist to learn act skills. It's just learned a way more fun way. So I think that's definitely something that, that could be done. And something I'll also throw out there is that um, there is a book. If, if you're a reader and, and I know <laughs> not, not everybody's a reader in this group and I know that, but I will throw out there um, this dude, Russ Harris. Uh, he has a book called The Happiness Trap. And it explains everything so smoothly. It's like butter. It's called The Happiness Trap. The Happiness Trap by Russ Harris. Are you Basically, the more that, yes. Okay. The more that we try to seek happiness or feeling good, the less happy we tend to be. The more we can be okay with this moment and just make the most of it, the happier we end up. You know, I don't know how to read, but I think I'll go get it. <laughs> no, <I'm joking. laughs> um, no, that's 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 great help. And actually, I don't know if the, what this says about me, but after taking your class, I was I was pondering kind of like, you know, we were at an age play event, and like, you know, I would I be fun to play with like a big bro or a daddy. And in my head, I was like, what would that look like? And I was like, God, I just want to play these games. I just learned in this class. <laughs> like, <laughs> you don't have to feed me anything. You don't have to play ball with me. I just want to play these games that literally you taught me in this class. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> just to throw that out there. Just to throw that out there. Well, thank you, Nico, for coming to Newsies Nook and giving, and giving me all these like fun games to think about. I think it, I think it's amazing. Absolutely. Um, thank you so much for having me. I also just sent you over a document. Um, so that's the ABCs of Queer Youth Survival. Uh, and it's a PDF document too, so people can go into it and there's links for queer youth. I don't know if you've uh, 
know of any actual bio youth who might be able to utilize those resources, but I will throw out there that book itself and the advice in it, that's some good, solid act advice. Um, and it, it it's not a hard read. <laughs> I will put it in the show notes for anyone curious about it. All right. Awesome. Thank you, Nico. Thank you. If you're in the L.A. area, make sure to check out Diaper Active at the Bullet Bar on Saturday, April 29th. The poster features Pup Tusk and Pup E, who has actually been on the show talking about his electric stuffy stream. Pup E will be DJing so you know it's gonna be good. I'm so excited to dance my diaper off and snoof everyone in sight. If you're going, make sure to say hi. Alright kiddos, I am pissing with excitement. I gotta go change. See ya! Bye!